This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer. Oh, we got a big show for you tonight. We've got Nets. We've got Knicks. We've got Yankees. We've got Mets. We've got a major announcement. And that's next. At 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM, along with Mike and Brian. We're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitzsimmons on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Mr. Damer. Larry, what's going on tonight? We got a bunch of stuff, huh? We are jam-packed and ready to go, my friend. How was your weekend? Uh, it was good. I mean, it was good because we had a couple of Knicks games to watch, and they won yeah. both of them. So that's always a nice thing, right? That's a great thing. That's a great thing. Oh, my Knicks. Oh, 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 oh Gordon. A lot I'm... of people claiming those Knicks nowadays, right? Yes, but I had them when they no, were bad. No, oh, no, no. I'm not saying you. I'm saying some other people. Some people, no, but I want people have to shows know. on this very channel. Wow. Yeah. Are you calling, are you calling Stephen A. out again? No, I was talking about Max Kellerman, but I'm, th- I'm sure oh. Stephen A. fits in that category, too. Yeah, he, he was happy. He was smiling oh, on first take this morning. All, oh. all the frauds are coming back now. That's how you know it's really turned around. It is. It is. It is. And we'll get started with that, but. Gordon, I want to just take a moment to reflect, and and we'll move on uh, quickly. But just in watching some of the coverage today about, uh, you know, the anniversary of this being the first uh, COVID diagnosis in this area a year ago today, it's just like, Gordon, it seems like it just continues, right? It just seems like it never ends. Now, we have made progress, absolutely. But as we go back and review this year, it's been really, it's been a heck of a year with COVID-19. Yeah, uh, they, you know, the old uh, Chinese proverb about may you live in interesting times. I want to live in boring times. I want to live in routine times that gets back to normal as quickly as possible. I don't need any more interesting times and, you know, talking with young kids and stuff like that and explaining to them this is something you will tell your kids about. Mm. Uh, it's, It's been a very difficult year for a lot of people, for a lot of businesses a lot of families, so uh, it does feel like things are starting to finally show some signs of progress in the right direction, but, uh, yeah, it's crazy that it's been a year already. It is, and, you know, obviously there's good things, like we have a vaccine, and Mm -hmm. and we can start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, but, you know, Gordon, it's it's just so interesting as not comparing them directly because there isn't a direct comparison, but much like with the aftermath of 9-11, I'm really curious as to what changes they're going to be uh, with us for a, quote, new normal, unquote. Like, for example, I think we're going to be wearing masks for a long time yet. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we we talk about uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. It feels like that once we get out of the tunnel, it'll almost be like the Lincoln Tunnel where you have that big, long helix as well, right? Like, it's not just all of a sudden you get out of the tunnel and it's all said and done. There's not going to be a moment where all of a sudden we flip the switch and we say, okay, we're back. It's just going to happen uh, over time, but I'm sure a lot of these different things uh, that we have, you know, kind of the new normal, they're going to stick with us for a little while at least. Yeah, and and I think I'm really interested to see sports-wise what's going to happen, Gordon. I mean, we kind of see it already in how uh, when we watch post-game, you, you're seeing, the, you know, the players talking through, through Zoom, and I'm wondering if that in a modified sense is going to continue, having, you know, both of us having been to the ballpark and having to interview players in post-game and pre-game and stuff and of that nature, you know, just that 
I don't know if we're ever going to go back to that little conversation we could have with specific, with specific players where you just talk about, hey, how's the family or what's going on or mm-hmm. what's, what's, what's the latest movie? Did a little chit-chat that you, know, you have to have in getting to know the players other than just, okay, why did you mess up that shot in the game? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, like you're talking about, com- you know, not comparisons, but just, you know, some connection to when 9-11. Yeah. You know, before 9-11, when you turned on a news channel, they didn't have all those things at the bottom of the screen. Maybe mm-hmm. once in a while when something big happened, but since that point, those things came on the screen, you know, like the tickers running at the bottom of the screen, yeah. and they have never left. That has just been part of the new normal. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I would think that... You know, probably for players, they probably, you know, I don't know that they're push- They're going to be pushing for, you know, <laughs> access to the clubhouse anytime soon. Uh, you know, a lot of these broadcasts, the games themselves, you know, uh, I was watching the, the Yankees uh, yesterday a little bit today. You know, Michael calling the game from one place, David Cohn someplace else, Meredith mm. Morakovic someplace else. Hopefully we can get back to a, a time where, you know, guys are, are traveling on the road and, and calling the games from the games themselves. But I think that's going to take a while as well. I don't, I don't think that fans really care. And I'd be honest with you, you know, listening to the broadcast, maybe it's because we have the best in the business here in New York. But I don't really feel like you can – maybe once in a while you can tell. You mm-hmm. know, little tiny things, but – the, the level of the broadcast is still, I mean, it's almost like they're victims of their own greatness in that calling the game so well from remote locations. I don't think that the average fan even really cares all that much that it's called from a remote location. Yeah, I agree with you. And finally, Gordon, that's going to be the next thing is going to be the adjustment of the increase of fans and how comfortable are they going back in huge numbers. Now, obviously, just from the folks we spoke to who went to the Nick games, over the past uh, two games that they've been available. Obviously, they're just ecstatic and, you know, we're mm-hmm. happy and, and we love how everything is handled. But, you know, that's 2,000 fans. Gordon, as we <laughs> elevate that times 30, you know, how how is that going to be? How are fans going to be ready to go back in mass? Our football games, you know, hopefully by that time, I think we'll get a really good gauge with vaccinations and things of that nature going into the winter, uh, the fall and the winter of uh, 2020 and 2021, 2021 and 2022, how will that be? And how will fans react to getting back there in mass? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that the fact that, look, I'm not in the prediction business, especially when it comes to this, but I would think the fact that generally football games are outdoors mm-hmm. uh, and that you will not be playing any of them until September. You would hope that by then the vaccine, anyone who wants to get a vaccine can get a vaccine. So that will certainly help uh, improve things. And I would think with baseball, we're going to kind of, Baseball is going to be – we kind of hoped that last year baseball was going to be the one that would really kind of tell the tale and certainly that went out the window. But mm. maybe this year with baseball, you know, as the season starts and you have a certain limited amount of fans, maybe by the postseason it's far more back to normal so that by the time football rolls around, you'll really have a good gauge of where things are at. Yeah, so, you know, we'll, we'll just – just a couple of minutes, Gordon, just to reflect – on uh, where we are and where we've been as far as this. And obviously, as the next couple of weeks, it'll be the anniversary of sports just disappearing for months. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, Rudy that Gobert, was, right? I think that's exactly. for most f- sports fans, that was the moment, right? Yeah. Like when that ha- you know, I think I'll be honest with you. At this point last year, I still did not really take it all that seriously. Eh, you know, it's important, but eh, we'll live. You know, we're not going to. We're not going to go into our homes and stay there for the next year. <laughs> so much for that. So that yeah. was the real, I mean, for a lot of sports fans, I think that was the night where that game got shut down with Rudy Gobert that it was like, whoa, this is, this is something different.
Yeah, there's no question about that. Gordon, speaking of basketball, and that's where we'll uh, tip off tonight. And, and look, obviously, I understand people want to temper the excitement about the Knicks, right? I get it. And I understand that, I know Brendan Brown talked about it last night on the broadcast that you heard here on 98.7 ESPN. I know uh, TMKS, Michael Kasia, was talking about it today. And that is, listen, Knicks did a nice job. They beat Indiana. That's great. And in the back-to-back, they beat Detroit. But they were supposed to beat Detroit. And, you know, Detroit is a bad team. And listen, listen, I get that. And I understand that. But I always look at the opposite way, Gordon. Okay? If, we, if they had lost to Detroit, we'd be killing them right now. What are you doing losing to Detroit? You can't lose that game. It means that the win over Indiana doesn't mean anything. You know, so I'm, I'm, I just don't, I don't want to make it bigger than what it is. But I'm also not trying to downplay it either. This is a Nick team that's, for me, it's learning how to win. And they had a big lead last night. And previously, Gordon, and not that long ago, C file under Minnesota, they blow big leads. And in other cases, have lost games with big leads. So the fact that, yes, I know Detroit's not a great team. And, yes, they did what they were supposed to do. I'm happy that shows growth to me. I, I, to me, it's not even about the individual games as much as it is the direction of the organization. And I get it, right? Like, Nick fans sometimes have a tendency to be a little uh, overly optimistic, right? Some mm-hmm. might even say delusional uh, to, to an extent. <laughs> but there is reason for optimism. I am the first person to be a killjoy when it's like, all right, calm down. It's not this. It's not that. There are reasons for Nick fans to be excited about the, the direction of their organization. Now, part of that is that the previous regimes running the organization were doomed to fail from the start. But this, they have a legitimate all-star in, in Julius Randle. They have young players in Barrett and Quickly who have shown some signs of growth. Quickly looks fantastic in his rookie year. They have a coach who clearly knows what he's doing. And with tomorrow being the first uh, anniversary of Leon Rose being on the job, I'll tell you, boy, if year two goes anywhere as well as year one, the excitement in this town is going to be through the, through the roof. Mm-hmm. I was not a fan of the Leon Rose hire when it was made because I thought, you know what, here we go again. The Knicks doing the same old thing. They're going to try and lure free agents here. But Leon Rose has had a far better finger on the pulse of what actually works in an NBA front office than just about anybody who's had that job with the Knicks over the last two decades. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I'm ready to give him credit from the standpoint of bringing in the whole scouting department and bringing Mm -hmm. in, you know, different folks to analyze and, (laughs) dare I say, Gordon, pick players with talent. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. The Knicks drafted somebody this year who is already contributing to the team this year, who other people have noticed. This guy's a legitimate player. It's not just Nick fans saying, well, you know what? In two or three years, this guy could be pretty good. You know, this is not Frank Nielakina all over again. This Mm is, I mean, quickly is going to be getting votes this year for rookie of the year. Now, I don't think he's going to win it, but he'll get votes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, as far as the free agency thing, Gordon, listen, depending on who you talk to, you know, I think Rose wanted to bring some folks here if he could to make a big splash because I get it. He wants to come in and say, listen, we're we're going to the playoffs. So I understand his idea, that thought process. And I'm glad that they didn't trade for Russell Westbrook, even though I kind of wanted it. But after watching him, as I said last night, Gordon, he looks like a fighter that got old overnight the past couple of years. This is not the same Russell Westbrook that we've seen that was just outstanding in, in Oklahoma City. He, he's really declined. So the, some, as we always say, sometimes the trades you don't make 
or the deals you don't make are the best ones. And just think, uh, right now, he would be taking time away, and I don't know if he would be as good as Derrick Rose has been over the past couple games. Yeah, Derrick Rose has been sensational. Uh, that's been a move that – and uh, I know the last time I think that we talked on air – you know, you were saying, well, maybe Derrick Rose is going to take the, uh, the take the job from Alfred Payton. And I was saying, well, you know, in Sacramento, after watching a couple more games, I would say to Alfred Payton, boy, you better get healthy quick, pal, because <laughs> the, the window of opportunity is closing quickly. So, yeah, I mean, it's been uh, – I mean, you just talk about, right, we all kind of agreed in terms of the free agency thing that the Knicks, before they could even think about that, before they could even approach that, Mm -hmm. They had to build something on their own. This is what it looks like. Now, I'm not telling you they're going to definitely go to the playoffs or they're definitely going to be over 500. That schedule coming out of the All-Star break That's is rough. daunting, yeah. and it could, it could go sideways very quickly. But from where things are sitting right now compared to where they were a year ago, lost in the wilderness, yeah, there's legitimate reasons for Nick fans to be pumped up. Gordon, the Knicks have finished with a winning record just three times in the past 20 years. I mean, can come you imagine on. that? Can you imagine <laughs> that? Well, I mean, a lot of that was because so many of these plans, so many of these big ideas were doomed to fail from the start. I mean, all the times that they've tried to do the same thing over and over again. So credit to Leon Rose. Uh, I, I want to see more. I, I'm mm -hmm. hoping that they're not going to go out and just make the big splashy move, that they'll make the right move for where they're at. But you have to love the direction of the team, right? If I would have told you that almost halfway through the year, I don't care how bad the Eastern Conference is. Halfway through the year, the Knicks would be over 500 and be in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Anybody would have signed for that in, in a split second. I would have ran to promo code Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would have ran there, ran there. 1-800-919-3776. Your thoughts on the Knicks? Also, we'll keep an eye on the Nets and Spurs. Nets with a one-point lead in the fourth, 85-84. By the way, the Spurs will be uh, heading home to face the Knicks tomorrow night, so that's going to be interesting, right? I think it's surprising to a lot of people, but not to us, though, uh, as far as the people around this franchise. Um, there's kind of like a culture change that everybody seems to talk about. Um, it's just as far as like the work ethic of people, um, the character of people, how we treat each other, um, and we care about each other. So um, it's kind of like a culture change, a culture shift uh, that a lot of people are talking about around the facility and things like that. So uh, we kind of pride ourselves on that. Possible Rookie of the Year, Emmanuel Quickly on the Michael K Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Hardesty and Damer till midnight, 1-800-919-3776. Gordon, I got to tell you, uh, they may not be surprised by their success, but boy, I know a lot of people are. <laughs> uh, everybody should be, right? Like, to think, I mean, th I think that this is, you know, uh, a little uh, higher than anybody could have expected, and it's not really unfair to think that this is a high watermark maybe of the season or whatnot. But, you know, the, the Pacers win is the one from the weekend that gets the headlines. But, you know, yes. the fact that the Pistons, a team you should beat, and you beat them, right, a ho-hum kind of easy win. How many other times have we seen the Knicks not be as good as this, but go out and beat a team where you're like, oh, wow, they were able to beat that team, and then they have some cupcake next up, and they go out and lose. So the fact that, you know, obviously the Pacers are a team they're competing with for, for playoff positioning, and the Pistons are the worst team, uh, at least in the Eastern Conference, maybe in the NBA. I'm not sure of the records right now. But the fact that you were able to go out there and handle them the way you did, I think speaks 
maybe not as much as the Pacers win does, but it speaks to where this team is at right now. Definitely. Pistons with nine wins uh, after last night's uh, loss to the Knicks. Now, Kendrick Perkins was on DCR this morning, DPHO Canty and Rothenberg, early, about 740, and they asked him, can the Knicks become a free agent destination with the way they're playing now? Absolutely. Look, it, w- it would have been a desirable place to sign if, if Leon Rose and World Wide West would have been there during the free agency when Kyrie and Kevin Durant was up, when they were making their decision. So right now the, the Knicks look like a uh, the Knicks of kind of the old. They look like a attractive place in the free agency market. I would see guys wanting to go play there. Derrick Rose, a guy that's towards the end of his career, in my opinion, still got some basketball left in him. He could have asked to be traded anywhere from Detroit. He could have went to a contender like the Clippers, maybe the Lakers, anywhere to try to win him a championship. But he told, he chose to go play with New York because he loved the direction that they're going in. He watched their team, and he loved what Tom Thibodeau was doing. He loves what he loves the young players, but he also knows Tom Thibodeau, Gordon, and he knows that uh, he's going to put him in a good position. Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, that's the that's the beauty of having a head coach that actually knows what the heck he's doing, right? <laughs> that's, uh, you know, the functionality, the, 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 the credibility that we've been talking about for a while, right? Just even if Tom Thibodeau were just like a, kind of a league average coach, that's such a huge step up from what I feel like where things have been here for a very long time. You're right. Off to the phones we go. 1-800-919-3776. Daniel in Mount Laurel. You're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, Larry. Hey, Gordon. How are we doing tonight? How are you? Good, good. So I want to make two points. First off, um, I, from the beginning, was actually a fan of the Leon Rose hire, and I definitely understand why the Knicks don't get the benefit of the doubt. Oh, stupid Knicks hiring an agent to be the president of basketball ops. But if you look around the league, look what Golden State did before they ran their dynasty. They hired Bob Myers, a player agent. The Lakers, Rob Polinka, a player agent. They've both won championships in the modern era. So I, I, I so I, I, we got to start giving the Knicks a little bit of credit and Leon Rose for kind of surrounding himself with adults in the room and people smarter than him, such as Walt Perrin, for example, uh, who is running the drafts. And also, second, I want to make another point. Just on the word, the one about you. the agent, you have to keep in mind this is also right around you know Brody Van Wagenen with the Mets. Myers, oh, yeah, I know, yeah, had, yeah. had worked in the front <laughs> office of Golden State for a while. I think Palinka did as well. For you know, at least they had a taste, and they were going to better organizations. I don't think it was unfair that's, to be skeptical true. of the Leon Rose move when it was made. No, that's fair. But uh, Gordon, I just want to thank you so much for calling out Max Kellerman. He's such a fraud, Nick. Fraud, fan. It's not even snake, funny. weasel. Don't fraud. let him off. Don't let him fraud. off the hook. Nobody <laughs> let him off the hook. Everybody listening, don't let you hear him now in these promos. Oh, the garden! The this this team fraud. deserves a rocking go. Oh, get out of here, you big phony baloney! <laughs> Thanks for the call, Daniel. Good points. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. JP's in Brooklyn. Hey, JP, you're next on ninety eight seven. L JP, is that you? L L, how you doing, baby? You know what L stands for, right? Uh, I'll no. I'll let you tell me. Larry Legend. (laughs) (laughs) That's Larry the Legend. How you doing, baby? Uh, I have two points, real quick. Mm -hmm. You know, every time I come on the show, I have to make you know announcements. You know, uh, last time 
I ran for congressman. I let everybody know for the first time in my life I ran for congressman. I lost. Uh, but I got 45,000 votes. We did pretty good. Okay, mm-hmm. um, making another announcement. I'm going to run again, Larry. We're going to do it again until we win. Okay. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> now let's talk about the Knicks. The Knicks don't deserve no love. The Knicks don't deserve no love after what they put us through for the past 20 years with the shenanigans they've been putting on, carrying on in the garden, and they, they deserve love now. Yes. Now. Yes. You know, I respect. I re- I respect Brooklyn. They they tried to they went try to go for it with uh, Kevin uh, Garnett. They tried to mm-hmm. go for it. They didn't you know do good. And what did they, they leave you with, JP? Up. What did they leave you with they when you gave down. up those draft choices? What did they leave you with, JP? No, but where they at now, baby? No, where but that's are what, they at but now? Wait a minute, wait a minute JP. How, how, you know, you got me bitching. This is the first time. I mean, they, it's not like they all of a sudden have some track record of success. Did I, did I miss the what titles have, for the Brooklyn Nets? Listen, JP, I know you're running for office in Brooklyn, and so you got to be really partial to the Nets. I, I know you are. Thanks for the phone call. I get it. But here's the bottom line, okay? Yeah, the Knicks were not good. We've acknowledged that. But you can't continue to criticize a team when you see them pointing in the right direction. That's all we're saying. They've got They've got something right. Okay, we've made fun of the – that's the problem, Gordon. We've made fun of the Knicks. They've been bad for so long, and we've made fun of them for so long. We don't trust them. We still think, you know what, it's going to blow up. Some, they're going to do something to mess this up. Yeah, well, look, I, I think that they are now a – I don't know whether or not they're good enough, right? But I don't feel like they'll – I don't feel like the plan is uh, unworkable, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the, the plan that they have in place with Julius Randle – and, and Barrett and quickly and, and, and Mitchell Robinson when he gets back. They're a little bit more talented maybe than I thought. Certainly uh, just Julius Randle alone, right? Like when we were talking before the season about, you know, what are the expectations? Did anybody expect that Julius Randle was going to be in the All-Star game? No. I didn't. So I, I think that they're – I don't know if they're talented enough. It's possible that they're not and, they you know, maybe they play in the play-in game or somewhere along those lines. But at least this plan – has a chance to succeed. Like, there's been so many years where there's been no hope, right? That, yeah. Now at least you can see that they have some people that are running things that actually know how to run things. And the best part is, Gordon, I think, and, and, and one of the callers mentioned it, is Walt Perrin in the scouting department, okay? And when you see how many draft choices you have, mm-hmm. okay, you've got the opportunity to really find some very talented players. And, Gordon, you have the option. It's almost like having multiple picks in the NFL. Like, Absolutely. all of them are not going to be good. Yep. So you can trade some. The ones that, Some will be a little better than others. Okay, I'll trade this one and keep that guy. The Knicks have options, Gordon, and that's something they've not had in a long time. Right. It's not about uh, where you pick sometimes. It is in the NBA to a st- an extent, but it's not about necessarily where you pick, but who you pick, right? Mm-hmm, and like yeah. The Knicks could have had a top three pick every single year and, and botched it with the way that the organization <laughs> was run in the past. And, I mean, that's part of the reason why I don't want them to trade really anything from this team, especially not the draft picks, right? Like in year one, you already have drafted a guy at 25 who has far more productive than I would say – just about anybody they've drafted over the last 15 years. Mm. In one uh, season, you, you're right. Right, in, in one yeah. season. And that's with the current people calling the shots. Now, maybe that was just a lucky thing, right? Maybe they just kind of lucked into it, and they, it, it was just, to, you know, they, they, they knew Kentucky, and they had the connection there, and that won't happen again. 
I'm willing to find out. I want to find out <laughs> if, if maybe for once in my lifetime the Knicks actually have a scouting department and a front office that can draft well. Oh, my God. Could you imagine that? Can you imagine? That would be something else. I feel like Coach Tibbs is um, – I don't feel like I could have had a better coach in my rookie year uh, as far as someone who's just going to push – individually push me every day, uh, challenge me mentally uh, as well as physically, but mostly mentally challenge me. Uh, and he treats the last guy on the bench just like he treats the first guy on the bench uh, as far as what he expects, uh, the effort that you have to give, consistency on a regular basis. Um, so, he, you know, he holds everybody accountable, and that's all you can ask from a coach. Emmanuel, quickly from the Michael K. Show on his head coach, Tom Thibodeau of the Knicks. Hardestine Damon till midnight here on 98.7 ESPN. And listen, Gordon, I think that's for a rookie to come in the coach kind of sets forth the effort and the the discipline and the motivation, especially for young players, right? And so for a coach like Tom Thibodeau, for a player like him to get with that coach to make him understand, and now look, he doesn't play perfect defense. He's got some issues, and he'll learn. He'll get better. But defense is you're rewarded, okay, by playing defense, by getting more playing time and expand your offensive game. And I think for a young player, that's important to understand. That, oh, by the way, there's, there's, two, there's, two, there's two ends to this game. There's, yeah, there's the offense with everybody loves, but there's defense as well. Yeah, uh, and I think, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, for a rookie player, I think that his defense has been better than I thought that it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure, look, I'm sure he's going to probably hit a rookie wall at some point as well. I, I can't expect that he's going to be, I mean, as great as he has been, to think that he's going to be this great over the, the course of the entire season. Uh, but think about how quickly he has already become an essential Nick, right? Like there's yeah. guys that you expect every single night. Okay, if they're going to win this game, obviously Randall's got to be good. Barrett's got to do something, you would think. And then maybe even number two is Emmanuel quickly. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're right. Uh, Nets are pulling away. They're up 106-98, and the Spurs have gotten cold in this fourth quarter. The Spurs have a ton of injuries, and that's going to be interesting to see if the Knicks are going to be able to wear them down tomorrow as the Spurs have a back-to-back with uh, after, come, after the Nets game tonight with the Knicks uh, tomorrow night. Back to the phones. Fred is next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Fred. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm a, a fan going back to the early 1960s. I uh, can still remember Wilt's 100-point game. And I want to say that I see some parallels right now uh, to, to what happened in the 1960s. And by that, I mean the Knicks were awful for a long period of time. I uh, didn't even see them have a winning record until I was in ninth grade. And they missed the playoffs for seven years in a row. But they started that foundation with draft choice after draft choice, uh, starting with Willis Reed. And I'm not saying anybody being drafted right now is the equivalent, but you can see how they put the foundation in place and they brought in some veteran players like Dick Barnett in a trade uh, and Walt Bellamy, and, and, and we saw where that ultimately led to. And I see some of that happening now in terms of some promising young players, and it's such a joy to see them develop. And then, you know, obviously bringing in a, an experienced player like Julius Randle and then seeing what he's developed into this year. So I'm very optimistic. Well, Fred, I think he should be. Thanks for the phone call. And, yeah, there are some parallels. I mean, you know, you, you see where they're bringing the veteran guys to help the, the young players learn how to win and learn how to play and what it takes to be a pro. And then, you know, the Bellamy trade, 
getting Walt Bellamy ultimately leads to them getting Dave DeBusher to and move Willis Reed from the four to the five, and then they get DeBusher to play the four, and then they draft Bill Bradley, and then they draft Walt Frazier, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I could see where you, you make the parallel of the building blocks, and that's what we always say, right, Gordon, is that it's the your great teams have the mixture, right? They have the mixture of the young talent that's really good and the veteran leadership, the savvy that, listen, this is what you do. Help them out in practice. Help them out in the locker room. They, they're another coach on the floor. You pull them over to the side, and, and that's what this Nick team is building. Yeah, and, I mean, look, it, it would be great if they make the playoffs this year, no matter what seed they are, but it's really not about this year. I mean, this is – I know that they've stunk for 20 years, essentially, but this is not about this year per se. I mean, this is just about the first putting the building blocks in place of Julius Randle, seeing how Barrett eventually develops here over the course of the year, quickly coming in. But I think that as excited as you are about the here and now, I think that the future is far more exciting because of all the draft picks, all the cap space. If they're able to to lure a free agent here, I don't know who that's going to be. But, you know, just having representative people in place that know the – you know, I keep saying the same thing, but do the job and know how to do the job. Yeah. It's a, it's a far brighter day than it's been here in a very long time. There's no doubt about that, and I think that's why it's – while I do understand it's easy to get caught up in the hype, it's easy to say, oh, okay, we're ready to go. Look at this. Look at us. Let's just enjoy the ride, Gordon, for right now. Absolutely. You know, it's great. Just and, enjoy the ride. And, look, there is going to be a mo- – you know, it's a long season. They still have more than half of it to play where the Knicks hit some skids and, and the Nick Cater out there will, you know, revel. Ah, see, it was all, ah, you guys were getting all worked up about the playoffs and this and that. That's all right, you know. (laughs) There have been far darker days with the Knicks organization considering where they're at right now and where I think that they will wind up this year. And and you don't have to go far to look back to find no, them. No, no. I mean, if you have any memory whatsoever, it was last year, right? Exactly. <laughs> you don't have to go far. No. Spurs are putting forth a little run here in this game, Gordon. Got a 5-0 run. They've cut the uh, lead down to two with uh, trailing the Nets by two, 108 to 106 with 40.9 seconds left. When they made the Harden trade, it felt, you know, I think the, the perception was, wow, this is just overkill or mm-hmm. – just as well they made the Harden trade, right? Yeah. I mean, he has been everything that they could have asked for and more, and considering how long KD has been out and is going to remain out, and Kyrie is always you know, in and out of the lineup a little bit, mm-hmm. he's been kind of the constant since he got here, and he's been fantastic. He really has, and even though people have been very critical of him, I got to tell you right now, I was wrong about him and his ability to pass the basketball. I mean, he just continues to do a great job with assists. He got 14 assists tonight. He's been he's been a walking double-double tonight. He's a triple-double because he's got 11 rebounds as well. He's just been a great talent. But once again for him, while we acknowledge that and we've seen him just dominate and we know that he is a tremendous scorer and a tremendous talent, Gordon, for him, it's going to be about the playoffs, too. It's about – There's nothing he can do in the regular season to prove that he's any greater than he is. It's all about showing up in in big moments in the postseason. Are you starting to get worried about Durant at all? I mean, this is a while he's been out now. You know, I I, I am starting a little bit to get worried about it, but I think because they have Harden and Kyrie, they're not rushing him back. I just think that they're like, you know, listen, we're good. It's about the postseason for us, too. We'll get whatever seed we want. Obviously, they want the best seed they can get. But, uh, you know, since we have, you know, we got a little leeway, let's rest him. Let's make sure we have him. Put him in bubble wrap if necessary and get him back. But, yeah, I, I am. And understanding that they've got, like, what, two, maybe three games before 
the All-Star break, I wouldn't have rushed him back either. Let's have yeah. him fresh coming out of the break and let's monitor him and see where he is. But it makes you wonder if it's hamstring or if it's like, you know, a, a little, a little uh, itching, aching with the Achilles. I just tell you, just it just puts it in the back of your mind. Right. I, look, they have enough time, but it's just it, one hard, like one of the things I liked about the Harden trade was that they made it so early that there was going to be plenty of time for these guys to get you know their games meshed and, and, and feel comfortable with each other on the court and roles and all that type of stuff and finding out all the other bench roles and everything else and, and maybe making deals off of that. You know, trade deadline's 25 days away. They really have not played together that often as they a group. Not. Uh, it, it, you know, that, I, I don't know. That's a little concerning. Too. I know what you're saying, right? You don't want to rush him back, especially mm-hmm. after the, you know, the last time he rushed back. But, I don't know. It would make me a little concerned that you'd like to have him out there sooner rather than later. There's no question about it. And the Nets have done the, may have done the Knicks a favor. This game is now going into overtime, Gordon. As, oh, uh, beautiful. Just what we wanted. <laughs> as uh, Nets missed the shot. And Murray is clearly fouled, I think, by James Harden. No call. He picks up and hits the jumper at the buzzer. Like it should have been at the buzzer and then a foul. But, uh, nope. It's, so they're going to overtime, tied at 108. Hardesty and Damon, we call it ESPN New York tonight on 98.7 ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter, at Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Gordon, before we turn our attention to baseball, one quick uh, tweet from Jay Blaze NYC. Uncle L, outside of the East Big Three, net 76ers, Bucks, who do the Knicks have the best shot at beating in a seven-game series? And he has a message for you as well, Gordon. Truth Uh-oh. serum is mostly real. It's called sodium pentothal. Yes. It feels like that should be a bigger part of our lives. The fact that this thing exists, <laughs> there should be some knockoff that you can, you know, I guess it's probably just as well the, the wives don't uh, have the access to that at the, the CBS. They don't need it. The Walgreens, right? No. <laughs> they don't need it. They have that Could you imagine sense. the amount of trouble people, if you could get that over the counter, <laughs> oh my God, society would break down by Wednesday. It would. It really would. Yeah, oh. Uh, right. To answer his question, yeah, because uh, see, right now it's really hard because right now the, the East, the way it's bunched up, right? The Knicks are fourth, but there's like 107 teams between four and ten. <laughs> so you, you you lose two games, you could be in 11th. <laughs> but I would say I think they have a really good chance. Obviously, Charlotte is eighth right now. I think they have a good chance against Charlotte. Pacers, I think they can beat. They already have. Heat is going to be tough for them. They just see they they have to do something, find a way to you know, deal with that defensive thing and what Jimmy Butler brings to the table there. I think Boston's going to get better. So I think ultimately when this shakes down and Toronto's going on a roll now, Gordon, they've won six of their last ten. So I think really when you look, it's going to be the the Atlantas, the Chicagos, the Indianas, the Charlottes at the bottom of that. I feel that Miami and Boston and Toronto are going to find their sea legs and get better. Yeah, and I would think that, you know, most of these teams as they are – made up of right now or probably not not going to be the way they look when we get past the the trade deadline in you know less than a month so mm-hmm. you know it's going to be about who adds and and what do they add and how healthy are you come playoff time um it's surprising to me that uh, you know boston especially boston like it's kind of surprising to me that they have struggled as much as they have this year yeah, yeah. you know to be 17 and 17 34 games into the season that's not a small sample size that's almost half the year it's not. It's not. And the coach is starting to feel a little heat up there, uh, you as you think, would think. right? That's yeah. supposed to be an established team and yeah. and has not, uh, not clicked so far. 
with, with a lot of great young talent. I mean, this is a team that's gone to the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years, back to back, and and for them to have this, you know, this, you know, this this uh, record right now, it is a little concerning. Gordon, as I said, it was just like, oh, it was. Look at the blast Gary Sanchez hit today. Nobody has ever done that at George Steinbrenner Field. He hit it over the batter's eye in dead center. Oh. Not often do you see that. Uh, yes, the, it's good. He, here's the thing for me, to be honest. The home run was impressive. I don't deny that. But Gordon, he worked out a walk. I think yeah. that's almost more impressive than the home run. Well, I mean, look, you know, Gary Sanchez hitting the ball a long way, that's not really the issue, right? When he hits the ball, it does go a long way. The problem <laughs> was he didn't hit the ball. Uh, you know, he didn't. he struck out a ton. That first at bat, I saw most of the the, the first game. I, I mm-hmm. watched a little bit of it today. I saw the mm-hmm. home run, obviously. Uh, but his first at bat of the spring was, I think it was one, two, three, and he was already back in the dugout. So that's, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, you know, they have a lot riding on him, uh, you know, kind of turning things around this year, although I don't think that their success requires Gary Sanchez to be good. Uh-huh. He wasn't good last year, and they were still, you know, a fairly good team. So I think that there's far more significant pieces on offense, and you might make the argument that every piece is more significant on offense than Gary Sanchez. Now, if he can, if he can come through, that would be fantastic. What a, what a turnaround that would be. But I don't know if I'm counting on that this year. I mean, he was just so bad last year, and it's not the fr- – you know, sometimes you could – how many guys have we said 2020, you just kind of throw it out. It was a weird yeah. year. He had 2018 wasn't very good. So <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's not like this is some blip that you, you oh you just kind of expect him to get back on track. He's got a lot to do to, to get things turned around. So um, let's hope that this is the start of something good. I'll tell you, the guy I was more impressed with, and again, it's just a couple of games. Sure. I thought Glaber looked really good. I think Glaber yeah. physically looks good. He looks like he's slimmer. Uh, that first game, he had uh, a nice little play at shortstop. That's a big – I think that's a big issue this year, him uh-huh. and, uh, you know, the errors at shortstop and just overall movement around uh, that position. So, happy with that uh, out of the two games that uh, I've seen little bits and parts of. And, of course, the other thing that you're happy about or you're encouraged about or you really want to see with uh, Gary Sanchez is his ability to work with Gary Cole, who talked about that today. Came out a good time to give me a breather. Uh, I thought we worked well today, and I, I was confident throwing, you know, anything we needed to. And he made some good blocks in the dirt for us too. So I thought we did a nice job. Now Garrett Cole struggled. He he labored over twenty some pitches in the first inning, but nobody cares. You're working on different things. You're just trying to, you know, get the feel of the baseball, working your stuff, and all the other stuff. So it's no big deal. But it is nice to see that he is giving compliments to Gary Sanchez. And, it almost and listen, feels like when your kid brings home a vase from kindergarten. You know what I mean? Like you know, he really he tried hard. I needed a breather. He, he did a great job there. You know, I don't know. Just be- <laughs> you know, I really uh, listen. I really like him. If I have to work with him, this is what I have to right. say. It's it's on the yes. script. But you know, really, well, I'd rather. Feel like there's- it almost feels like you're trying to boost him up, right? You're trying yeah, to, you yeah, know, yeah. you want to, you want to give him a little positive reinforcement early on in the season. Say anything that's good, just to kind of get it out there, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. And and the other thing I would say though, uh, Gordon, is with Sanchez, I understand what you're saying, and you're right about him in the regular season. But if he could give you anything in the postseason, 
where if he could just give you something where he makes contact. Because, I look, the Gary Sanchez, I remember, yeah, we talk about the long home runs, but this was a guy who made contact. This was a guy who had doubles. This was a guy who hit to the opposite field, Gordon. So if you could, if you could get that Gary Sanchez back, the Gary Sanchez that makes contact, when your guys in the lineup are struggling, like your, your judges or your Stantons are struggling, as far down as he's been hitting in the lineup, if you could get something to help the bottom of that lineup up, it would help you out a lot in the postseason. It was, I think it was going into the 2018 year, the conversation was, is Gary Sanchez the, the best Yankees' best all-around hitter? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about where he was at that point. 2016, he has the unbelievable year. 2017, he had an OPS of, of 876, so an OPS plus of 126. Had an on base of 345, a slugging of over 500. So it was a legitimate question to ask. And then came 2018, which threw everybody for a loop. I mean, batting average is not the be all end all, but when you're hitting 186, yeah. it's kind of hard to have all your hits be, you know, powerful run producing hits. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what to expect from Gary Sanchez this year. I think anything that you get out of him offensively, I think is kind of a bonus. Mm-hmm. That's how low my expectations are. He still has the talent. He's only, what, 27, 28 yeah. years old? This should be yeah. his prime years, but it feels like that that 2017 is a long time ago. Yeah, it does. Nets up 121-113. They've outscored uh, the Spurs 13-5 in the overtime. Let's talk a little bit about the Mets. Today was their first game. They got shut out by Miami. And uh, before the game, Sandy Alderson spoke to the media, and he says, you know, look, while while a lot of Met fans have regret about, you know, free agency, no Springer, no Bauer, uh, Sandy Alderson, no regrets. Had we not pivoted from to McCann, we might not have acquired Lindor and Carrasco um, after having spent quite a bit more money on uh, on someone else. So I think you have to look at everything as a whole and where we where we've we've come since uh, the beginning of the off season, regardless of whether it was a free agent acquisition or a trade, as I said earlier, we've, you know, we've upgraded the roster at the top end of our 40 man and we've uh, improved our roster dramatically at the bottom end and, and even below that. So no uh, regrets whatsoever on the free agent front. Not even Trevor Bauer. Apparently not. (laughs) (laughs) so uh we'll see what happens there now remember gordon that noah syndergaard uh when he comes back his contract ends at the end of the year obviously and i did see another report from uh another excerpt from sandy alderson's comment that uh you know they're really going to try to get francisco lindor's contract done before the regular season gordon I, i don't see how they can do it to be honest I don't what, see how they what, would do what's it. What's the hold? I mean, like you knew this going in that this mm-hmm. was this was part of the deal. This is why he was available. I, I'm just kind of stunned. And then the other thing that Sandy said was that the Mets had interest in Springer at five years, but not six, and that if they had signed Springer, that would probably have uh, prevented them from extending Michael Conforto. And he said at some point, even Steve Cohen runs out of money. Steve Cohen's the richest <laughs> owner in the sport. He might be the richest owner in all American team. He's got $14 billion. How much is Michael Conforto asking for? Uh, $13 billion? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. No, you're right, and, and that's the whole thing. But And I think, Gordon, let's be honest. Clearly, the uh, signing of uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. 
kind of put them on. Oh, it's going to be like this. But oh, I, this, is, this is the, this is. I know. Be like this. It's I know. Be Ten years, three hundred million. Some. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. the jumping off point. Yes, yeah, the begin. That's that's where we start. Right. <laughs> that's where we start. And listen, they're wondering. Well, what are we going to do? And they know they're in for a tough negotiation with uh, Conforto and his agent. You know, so you know that's not going to go well. Uh, that's going to be long and hard. Uh, and then you, you know, you got Syndergaard coming up, and I don't know what you like. I don't know what you do with Syndergaard, Gordon. Obviously, you want to sign him, but what do you offer him? He's the guy that's, that's yeah. That's kind of. I mean, until you see him back on the yeah. mound and see him, you know, coming off the surgery. I mean, how do you know? The the Lindor one to me is just kind of surprised. I know that they they'll probably talk, but the mm-hmm. fact that he has made it clear he does not want to negotiate during the season kind of puts a kind of drop dead date of about a it month does. away. It now does. maybe if he maybe if the Mets call up and say we're giving you three hundred million, he'll say okay during the season as well. So maybe that's the one out that they maybe have. But I would have thought that by now it would kind of be moving in that direction that they were going to get this done because you knew it going in. And and Gordon, maybe they will. Yeah, you know, maybe they're just downplaying it. You know, time, yeah, and, yeah. And, and maybe you know Sandy's downplaying it because he doesn't want to get into a bidding war or, right. or get he into negotiation. Yeah, you know he doesn't. <laughs> he, you know, we're struggling. You know, yeah, we know Steve Cohen's got money, but you know he doesn't want to spend all of his money on Francisco Lindor. They spent a hundred million dollars on some statue or something like that. I mean, the guy's exactly. he's, he's like uh, Brewster's millions. <laughs> we'll get to the calls in a minute. Also, this hour we'll talk a little bit about <laughs> the subject that never seems to change, Gordon. It's about Deshaun Watson. And there was an article this week out of the Houston Chronicle that uh, said it's time now for the Texans to start listening to offers for Deshaun Watson. It was written by John McClain of the uh, Houston Chronicle. Yeah, and he has been, uh, you know, he's covered the NFL for forever and is is obviously, you know, well – connected to the Texans organization, but he has been one who has said the entire time the Texans are going to trade him. He's not going anywhere. So the fact that this, his tone has changed might be a sign that maybe someone in the organization or people within the organization are starting to have a change of tone as well. Yep. That's interesting. So we'll discuss that with you, but, uh, and also what's the, why am I seeing Russell Wilson in a Cowboys uniform? <laughs> you know, people. Somebody brought that up to me on Saturday. You know, what about Russell Wilson going to the Cowboys and Dak Prescott going to Seattle? I mean, it's just too fantastical for me to believe that the the Cowboys. Now, look, maybe Jerry Jones says this is a way he can improve his team. I don't know, but I find I, I find that you know all these kind of type of trades, everything with Dak Prescott's contract. It's just at some point, it's like. <laughs> Uh, you know, sign with the Cowboys, don't sign with the Cowboys. I got to get on with my life. You know, I got, I got house plants to water. I got p- pets to feed. You know, I got kids to educate. Come on. I, I got to get on with my life here. Exactly. And listen, if you're a Texan fan, how about, how about J.J. Watt and, and DeAndre Hopkins reuniting in Arizona? <laughs> you know, that's an, that's an interesting one. Now, I know that K- Kingsbury and, and Murray, that's why they connected them together. But, you know, we, we're talking about all these different teams that would be interested in Deshaun Watson. Arizona would be an interesting one mm-hmm. because they could, they could deal away their quarterback. Now, I don't know what their draft pick situation is, mm-hmm. 
But then Deshaun Watson goes there, has his old running mate in Hopkins. You know, uh, yeah. I don't know. It might be a little far out there, but I just thought that was interesting when I saw the J.J. Watt news today because that was not a team that I think most people expected him to go to. No, absolutely not. And, and can, you see, can, you, can you see Russell Wilson knocking on the door in Seattle like, about that offensive line that I'm really going to need now with J.J. Watt yeah, in Arizona? Right? <laughs> yeah, and Aaron Donald in the division. And exactly. Yeah, right. yeah they, they got some work to do. Help! <laughs> Gordon, speaking of work to do, that's what our audience has got to do with our special announcement. Yes, we have come up with our idea for this year. You know, I, I always like to do something that uh, mirrors the NCAA tournament. You know, we, we get into the college basketball, but it's fun to have something that decides in the same... To me, the beauty of the NCAA tournament is the format. The, the, the tournament format of this team going up against that team, one chance, one game, not a best of seven... And it starts and it begins and it's almost over before you can even catch your breath. That's the beauty of March Madness. So I always like to do something that kind of mirrors that on the show, that gets the audience involved, gets the Twitter audience involved. So we've kind of been kicking this around for a little while and we have come up for the topic for this year's NCAA tournament pool game that we're going to be running on Twitter and we need your help. And the category will be mm. television theme songs the greatest television theme songs of all time will be the category you can tweet larry you can tweet me give us three don't don't give us the whole rundown of every song that you ever loved from a tv show we're focusing you know pretty much anywhere but mostly 70s 80s 90s and what will i think the fourth category will probably be beyond which is anything after the 90s or before the 70s I think mm -hmm. that's a fair way to do it because the 60s had some unbelievable shows as well. So that's the category. That's the topic that we'll be using for our NCAA tournament. I've done some research, but I need your help. You can tweet me, at Gordon Damer, Larry, your, your Hardesty, ESPN at Hardesty? What at, is it? at Hardesty ESPN. There you go. I knew it was one or the other. So there you go. You can either tweet me or Larry and give us your three nominees for the greatest television theme song. And look. I've been doing a little bit of research. I can say with all confidence, I have probably about 60 of or already on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. There's no way I could tell you who would win. Yeah. No way I could tell you who would win. There's not even the favorite. No. I, <laughs> that's the problem with trying to seed these things. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I have my favorites, but that does that mean that they are the favorites? I don't know. There's going to be a lot. The, you know, the NCAA tournament very rarely does a one lose to a 16. Only Chris Canty's Virginia squad has ever done that. That was mm -hmm. the, the year that they lost. Um, but uh, this one, it could have a couple of 16s upsetting some ones. And by the way, when you mention that, make sure you whisper around him. Well, they came back and won the following <laughs> year. He, you know, you got over it. But, yeah, I mean, to be the only team to ever yeah, do see, it, that's, that's going to be tough for Canty to handle, you know. Yeah, but they did is. win There's the no following question. year. Yeah, There's that no would have been, that would be fun yeah. to hold over. I mean, that guy has everything going on in life. I mean, he's he successful in everything he touches. <laughs> to have that one thing to be able to tease him about would have been nice. But that, even that lasted a year. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, he, he's a little sensitive about that. And, uh, and trust I, me, I, I he has flashbacks. <laughs> you, you don't want him to see you in the quarterback's uniform when no, you mention that. No, no, no. Not Chris, no. <laughs> so, once again. At Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, tweet us your thoughts for the best TV themes of all time. The TV, TV theme show of all time. I have like when you, when we talked about it, I had like about 
25 just go woof. Right, right. You know, right, lot, boom. Just I don't like know that. what it is, but I feel like it's the 70s. That 70s yeah, region is going yeah. to be very deep. There's going to be some uh, There's going to be some, some shows that people are like, well, that should be a two or a three that don't even get included because the field is just so deep. So, look, we're telling you now, you got uh, <laughs> uh, March 14th is Selection Sunday, so we'll probably start this March 15th. So mm-hmm. you got you got two weeks. Get it together. Do what you got to do. Tweet us at Gordon Damer at ESPN at hardest the ESPN and let us know. All right, let's go to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Brian's and Wayne. Hey, Brian, you're next on ninety eight seven. Gentlemen, good evening. How are you? All right, Brian. What's up? Nothing much. Two points. I'm thinking this is the year for Sanchez and Judge to either make it or take it out of town. And two, um, you know, I think the negativity around the Knicks, I mean, Carlin always tells us don't get our hopes up. I mean, I'm a fan. I got to be hopeful. And especially now, we're finally over, you know, 500. I don't think right now one more superstar, let them play. Let them finally play together. I mean, Golden State had to play for, what, three or four after years putting everybody together to finally mm-hmm. get the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for the time. All right, Brian. Thanks for the phone call. Yeah, it's true. You know, one, listen. The whole thing is, and and once again, I understand. I get it because of the way things have gone in the past. And you look at this team and you know, Gordon, last night they shot over 50% from three. The Knicks are not going to shoot 50% from three every night. Okay, we get that. We understand that. But it's the little things. It is the things that you start to see that your young players are starting to get better and the chemistry around the team is starting to get better. So, look, we understand that it could turn left. We do. But – it's the reason why you're excited and you're allowed to be excited is because of you've got difference in management. There's a different theme. The team has an identity, Gordon, that, that's positive. <laughs> you know? Yeah, th- this is not the typical like, oh, the Knicks have played better than everyone has expected, but it's unsustainable. Mm-hmm. The way they're doing it right now. And again, they, they might have some 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 potholes that come up here before too long, and, and they might drop below 500. They might fall out of playoff contention. But this blueprint is far more sustainable than any of the blueprints that they've had, and it's more believable that this team is actually building something for a change than it has been here for the last real two decades. That's right. Bruce is in Flushing. Hey, Bruce, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, Gordon. How are you guys doing tonight? Hey, Bruce. You're talking before I get to the Knicks. You know, you're talking about the NCAA tournament. I am a two-time champion of winning the NCAA tournament in in pools. Oh, you know. There you go. But um, I don't tweet, so I'm going to throw you a song right now, if I can. That if this is not in the top 16, it ought to be congressional investigation. All right. Wow. You ready? I'm ready. The theme song for Beretta, Beretta. with Sammy Davis Jr. Okay, Beretta. Mm. You know, Beretta is a little bit, it was that? Uh, 70s. That was 70s, 70s, right? Yeah. Keep your but eye on the sparrow. You have Sammy, <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. singing the song. It's true. The, 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 the phrase in that song lasted for at least 10 or 15 years, maybe longer. If you can't do the time, don't do the crime. Yeah. Yeah. The 70s are going to be tough, Gordon. Is that Robert, Robert Blake <laughs> yeah, was in there, Robert right? Blake, I was, I was that's right. I struggling to think of the guy's name. Robert yeah. Blake, that was Beretta, Robert Blake. right? Yeah. That's right, yeah. Uh, let me get to the Knicks. You know how I knew this Knicks front office 
is going to be different? Draft night. He mm. didn't waste a, a draft pick to trade for Obi because they had the secret ways of knowing he wasn't going to draft before Nick pick. Then they, had, they were going down. They were going up. I thought Bill Belichick took over the Nick draft that night. <laughs> and that's when you knew right then and there, at least I did. I know, I know Larry, we had a conversation on that mm-hmm. um, draft night or afterwards. That a Nick front office never did what that front office did that draft night. And that's when I knew this was going to be different. Yeah, and so far it's turned out that way. And, you know, Bruce, I just hope that we get to see a little more of Obi Toppin. I want to see him get more involved. I know I've said it over and over again, and I think he will get more of a get more playing time and get him to get more loose and get him to where the game slows down a little bit for him uh, and his shot. But, you know, just the fact that they were able to get quickly at 25 just tells you a lot about what the scouting was with Walt Perrin and, and all the work that he'd done in, in Utah for years. And you look at what they were able to build out there, Gordon and Bruce, and you could see that, you know, you could have some of that coming this way. That was a positive thing. I mean, look, you, you look at Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell should have been a Nick. I mean, how is he, how is he in Utah? <laughs> Well, think about, right, like Steve Mills, part of his downfall was thinking he knew more than he did, right? Like they were going to get in the room with, with Durant and they were going to yeah. be able to swing, uh, you know, one of these big free agents. And and the plan, it seems like, with the trading of, of Porzingis and clearing out the cap space was based on information that he did not actually have. Here is this, uh, the point that Bruce brings up, is this organization actually knew more than the average person around the NBA and did not, right? Because there was a lot of talk. Well, you know, if the Knicks want Toppin, they're going to have to move up. They're going to have mm-hmm. to trade up. To, and they didn't have to do that. So uh, that, that is a good sign for this, uh, this front office. It's nice when the plan comes together. <laughs> it, very, <laughs> it very rarely has for the Knicks. It's a rarity, but it's nice when it happens. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.